You're listening to The Active Lifestyle Marketer, brought to you by Tiger Creative, the creative agency for active lifestyle brands. Find out more at tigercreative.com. Welcome to The Active Lifestyle Marketer, a podcast dedicated to bringing industry experience and insight into marketing and active lifestyle brand. Whether you're a travel and leisure, fitness and sport, or a health and nutrition brand, if you want insight into the strategies, struggles, challenges, and successes of other active lifestyle brand executives, you've come to the right place. Welcome back to the Active Lifestyle Marketer. Today on the show, we have Nicola Cranmer, owner and general manager of Tam Cycling Incorporated and, and uh, 2020 team. Uh, Nicola, thank you for being on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. So why don't you give our audience a little backstory behind Tam Cycling and the 2020 team and uh, where you guys have come from and, and uh, just a little summary of your background. Um, okay, it's uh, so 13 years ago, I started a team. Um, I was actually racing my bike and I was on a co-ed team. And the women on the team were doing really, really well, but the men on the team were getting all the support. And uh, it annoyed me a little bit. So I decided to start my own team. Back then, I had no idea what that meant. Um, it was just uh, something I felt like I wanted to do. And uh, it was the right thing to do. It was uh, just sort of very serendipitous how things um, came together very quickly. And uh, this was based in Northern California, where there's a super rich pool of uh, athletes. And so we ended up with some pretty good athletes on the team. Um, these were beginner athletes that um, excelled really quickly. And so it was a very organic process, but the team grew quickly. And I came to the point where I had to make a decision of, okay, this was sort of a hobby grassroots endeavor. Um, and now I need to maybe quit my job to take this on full time so the um, team can grow with the athletes that were, um, you know, really excelling to world class level. Um, so yeah, fast forward 13 years and um, still here, we've got several Olympic medals under our belt, multiple world championships and national championships, uh, Pan American championships. Um, yeah, and uh, you know we're a professional women's cycling team, but we also have a junior development team, which is really important to me um, to support the next generation of uh, cyclists. Um, you know, most of these young girls won't go on to be professional athletes, but um, it's great for them to be part of our organization right now. And you know, a lot of the skill sets that they learn being part of a professional team. Um, just bode well and transition well into college and then into work after mm -hmm. cycling. So, and and what is your role within the company? Like, what does your day to day responsibilities look like as general manager? Um, <laughs> my responsibilities run pretty deep. Uh, we run on a, a lean budget, and um, so I'm the the owner and the general manager of the team. Uh, owner um, doesn't really mean a whole lot. It means I do a whole lot of work. <laughs> um, there's, there's not, you know, a lot to own, um, per se. Um, but I'm responsible for athlete contracts, sponsor contracts, um, overall season logistics. Uh, the director, Mari Holden takes care of race week logistics. Um, along with her, I developed the race calendar for the season. Um, I order equipment, uh, work on clothing designs, ordering clothing, 
uh, yeah, the list kind of goes on and on and on. And then, of course, um, social media marketing is a big responsibility uh, for me these days, too. Um, although I've just uh, I have assistance now uh, for this coming year. It's taking me this long to realize that I cannot do it all myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. You got your your hands in a lot of stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, most of it I've just learned along the way. And it's, uh, you know, it's, um, it's been it's been great. And definitely have made some mistakes over the years, which, of course, that's how we learn. Um, but yeah, yeah it's, it's a big undertaking. I bet it sounds like it. So what are you guys goals looking forward in the next uh, three to five years? I mean, obviously, you're working towards the 2020 Olympics. Is yeah, that, is yeah, that where all of your attention is? Um, yes, it is. I mean, that's the overriding goal. Um, you know, back in 2009, when uh, the team was growing pretty quickly, and it was right after the Beijing Olympics. Um, one of the things that I identified really quickly was, you know, how, how do you keep your fan base from year to year when your title sponsor is changing from year to year or every two years? Um, and so, at that point, we were, okay, let's focus on the 2012 Olympics. We had some really excellent athletes on the team with Olympic potential. And so we added 2012 to the name of the team. And so that stuck with us up until uh, London. And um, it didn't matter if we were Exegy 2012 or Peanut Butter and Co. 2012. We had that brand continuation, um, which our fans could identify with and also potential sponsors um, realized that, you know, that's a big goal for us was the Olympics. I mean, for women cycling, that's the pinnacle of the sport. Right. Um, so fa yeah, fast forward, um, we had success in Rio, um, 2016 Olympics, and now we're looking to Tokyo and for the Olympics, you have to, you know, really work on your strategy and positioning many years out. Um, you know, it's, I've heard plenty of athletes the year before the Olympics say, I want to go to the Olympics. Well, it doesn't really work like that. Um, you know, maybe in some sports it does, but not in cycling. There's a very specific selection criteria process that has to be followed. Um, so, you know, we make sure that we understand that and our athletes understand that. Um, and, you know, there's, it so may happen that we have an Olympic potential now and we may send her to Europe on another team for a year or two and then come back to us. But there's there's a lot of strategy and planning involved. Um, so that's the long-term goal that we look to. We work backwards from there. Um, but at the same time, we're also looking at our younger athletes who um, are not near Olympic potential yet, but just working with them and uh, bringing them into our program and the older juniors will um, slot into some of the race rosters so they can race alongside the professional athletes as well. Okay. And you touched on some other team names, uh, like Proman Cycling Team, Peanut Butter & Co., UCI Pro, Pro Track Team. What Are those all just teams within the TAM Cycling Incorporated, or are those just previous teams? No, they're all under the same umbrella. Um, you know, we were sponsored by a company out of New York called Peanut Butter & Co. Um, for a couple of years. And that was actually a really um, good move on their part. Uh, we converted a lot of uh, peanut butter consumers um, towards their brand. Um, you oh, know, there's a, yeah, there's a lot of athletes 
peanut butter and jelly sandwiches are the go-to, right? I mean, it's like yeah. you pack your race bag, you throw that in your bag, and you have something um, other than an energy bar to replenish yourself with before or after an athletic event. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're more of a gourmet peanut, com- peanut butter company, and um, it worked really well. We generated a lot of interest around that brand. You know, some of the brands that – um, are affiliated with cycling, you kind of scratch your head and wonder, hmm, what are they getting out of this? You know, there's not like <laughs> that direct marketing message. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes it's, and especially for women cycling, a lot of times it's just a passion project for the CEO of a company um, who just rides bikes themselves, um, has an interest in bike racing, and wants to support, you know, female athletes. Um, it's a tough gig. I mean, it's it's women's sport and then it's women's cycling, which is pretty low on the roster of uh, sporting um, activities that brands want to get involved with. Mm-hmm. So, so what kind of makes your guys' teams different? Tam, cycling different, your team's different. That I mean, you've got some partners that are big players in this cycling industry, SRAM, Felt, zip why why are these companies choosing to uh sponsor with and partner with your teams rather than going to another women's team yeah i think uh we have a pretty robust social media presence for a women's cycling team Uh, we put a lot of emphasis on that um we have a media camp coming up in february and march where you know, we'll create a lot of collateral that we can share with our partners, um, just with brand specific brand exposure for, for their companies. Um, we, you know, have in the contracts of all the athletes that they're to, uh, post, post, uh, at certain times of the month for specific brands, etc. Um, I think our industry partners, partners love to see our, um, consistency. I mean, we've been around for 13 years now, and uh, that's that's a big deal to a lot of them. Um, a company like Felt Bicycles, for example, um, you know, they've been with us for quite some time and they appreciate our attention to detail for our high performance athletes. Um, they're a company that trusts the female athlete to um, give them great um, feedback. Um, we've been a part of quite a few research and development programs with them. Uh, They also love that we support junior athletes. Uh, We support education. Uh, We have our own um, scholarship, internal scholarship fund that Barry Bonds um, helped me set up a couple of years ago. Um, It sort of added more depth to our program. It's not just about bike racing. I mean, we, education is a, is really a high priority for our team as well. To, change topics can you share some specific marketing strategies and approaches that you guys that have brought you guys success specifically around that social media um you you mentioned that that is a big piece of what you guys do are you just putting a ton of video content out there photography content i mean what does that look like yeah i mean you know we we do um make a really strong effort in that area compared to a lot of teams and you know, if I see any other team doing it better than we are, then I'll just uh, try and uh, trump that. Um, <laughs> and, it, you know, it's uh, it's something that, you know, for us to do, it's it's free. It's just your time. And today, especially with the younger athletes, they are always on their 
devices. They are always on social media. So just kind of harnessing that energy a little bit and directing it where it can benefit us and our partners is not not difficult. Um, it's interesting with the older athletes who are not really in the habit of doing that. Um, you know, it's a, a little bit more challenging. But once you really explain to them um, that, you know, this is not just about promoting your sponsors. This is about building your personal brand. This right. is about creating your own um, personal identity as an athlete um, and sort of helping them to just kind of follow through and commit to developing their identity, um, you know, with authenticity, of course, not just like saying, hey, we use this bike, it's awesome. But, um, you know, that's that's a big part of what we do and what we think is important. Um, even though we're a team, each of these athletes – you know, they're, um, you know, it's, they're self-employed, they're entrepreneurs, they're privateers, um, you know, they need to, to, to do this. It's just a part of what you do as an athlete these days. Um, and, you know, we've had athletes in our program that aren't the best bike races, but they're incredible at social media and our partners appreciate that. So, um, it's, it's changed a little bit, you know, over the years, as far as, when you're building a roster, you're not necessarily just looking at the strongest athletes. Well, and that social media more than anything else opened up opportunity to share with an audience, whether it be an audience for your team or an audience for your individual athletes, like an insight into the life of the athlete. People idolize athletes, like our American culture loves professional athletes, global culture loves professional athletes, and they want to see what that professional athlete is doing on a day-to-day -day basis more so than uh, they don't really care about what brands they're using. Maybe they do a little bit, but they just want to see what their day-to-day -day activities look like. They want to feel like they're involved in that. And social media allows an insight into that that is is incredible. And so if you, if you can create an experience for your audience by bringing them into your day-to-day -day activities as an athlete, like that can create some some serious brand loyalty for your partners because yeah, they're seeing like they're, they're getting that insight into an athlete's life, but then they're also seeing, Oh, Hey, they use this. They must like that product. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's definitely, yeah, not about selling the actual product to them. It's, it's the person and you're right. I mean, it's, uh, you know, having those fans connect with that athlete and then they're just like, well, she's cool. That must be cool, too. Right. Um, it, it can be that simple. Um, you know, and and just when you look at our, the insights on our social media, which I do frequently, um, it's definitely the behind the scenes and the more personal posts that get the more traction other than rather than like a race picture or a podium picture. Um, people want to know what are they doing in the morning when they wake up? What do they eat for breakfast? Or, you know, what's in their race bag? Or, you know, it's, uh, but, and it's really easily accessible through social media um, if the athletes are willing to do that. Interesting. That's really interesting that the, those personal posts do get the most traction. Is it a significant difference? Are you yeah. saying? Yeah, it is. And also um, posts where they're not wearing cycling kits when they're wearing just casual or dresses. Uh, we do, typically we do, um, yeah, it, it, you know, it, it's, 
And, and Barry actually made a good good uh, observation to me. Um, I was talking to him about it one day, and he's like, well, yeah, he goes, think about it. A man's cycling kit looks just like a woman's cycling kit. So when you've got like a woman on a bike with a helmet on and big glasses that cover her face, you can't see how attractive she is. Right. She kind of looks like a guy. I'm like, you're right, actually. Um, so, you know, we make an effort sometimes to – um, you know, obviously not push it too far, but we did a um, a campaign recently, which was a, a confidence campaign. And we asked the athletes, you know, what makes you feel confident off the bike um, or just in life and um, not necessarily off the bike. But, you know, there were some interesting results. But, you know, most of the girls, they, they want to look feminine and they want their hair to look great and they want their makeup to look great. I mean, the tough girl on the bike with dirt all over the face, I mean, that's awesome. But at the end of the day, they're women um, and female, mm -hmm. and they want to feel that way. So those posts attract the most traction. That's really cool. Uh, can you share some examples of maybe some struggles and challenges you, you have experienced as you've built this team and this brand, Tam Cycling? And I mean, obviously, you are you mentioned this offline, you're supporting and promoting other brands. But uh, what are some struggles you've you've come yeah. up against as you've built this? I think um, you know the biggest the biggest struggle is sponsorship dollars. Um, cycling is you know it's a poor business model. Um, we survive by sponsorship dollars, and you know if those aren't there, then the, there's no team. Um, you know you take the big sports teams, San Francisco Giants or the Forty ers There's you know merchandising, and there's you know just the, such massive brands um, and they're not just dictated by a corporate sponsor. Um, so when we had, we've had a couple of pretty big sponsors, um, Exergy Development Group was one of them for several years. And, you know, when they were a partner of us, they, they sponsored us in a significant way. It was our, our biggest sponsor um, to date. Uh, so, with that one big sponsor, we had a couple of smaller sponsors underneath, but certainly not enough to maintain the team if the big sponsor went away. And that big sponsor went away. They pulled out halfway through a season. Um, they were having uh, problems at the company, uh, filed for bankruptcy eventually, but they left us high and dry. And that I learned from that. Um, <laughs> And we made it through the year limping. I don't know how we did it. We got all the athletes paid um, and we made it through the year. And then that second year, you know, people were saying you should quit. That was such a struggle that last six months. And, you know, I'm like, if I want to quit running a team, I'd like to do it on my own terms, um, not have someone dictate by, you know, ha having their company go bankrupt. So, that following year was a rebuild year. Um, we had a lot of development riders. Um, we really went back to the basics um, of development and also on a much smaller budget. Um, and even when we're on a big budget, it's a small budget compared to, to men's teams and certainly other sports endeavors. But um, yeah, just adding multiple smaller sponsors, um, Adding our uh, scholarship foundation opened some different doors for us because, you know, there's not that many people that want to support women's cycling. Let's face it. It's I've been doing this for 13 years and I know it. 
Um, but a lot of people do like to support education and programs that are supporting education. And that was a really smart move um, for Barry to push that, you know, have have me push and um, or push me to include that in what we're doing. Um, so that was a big mistake, uh, just relying on one corporate sponsor, you know, whether we had a contract with them or not, you know, as and we did, they went bankrupt and there was nothing I could do about it. So, um, yeah, that was, that was a big lesson. When a, when a partner comes in and says they want to support you and sponsor you guys, have you guys run into uh, a company coming in and saying, Hey, we're going to sponsor you, but we have these requirements and we want you to do this, 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 and this, or is there some regulation on what they can and can't require of you? Yeah, no, it's actually, it's typically we'll work out an activation strategy based on, you know, what their goals are for their brand that coming year. Um, and depending on the level of sponsorship depends on the level of activation. Um, you know, one of the, the biggest struggles with women's cycling is the lack of media exposure because what we don't have is a traditional ROI um, that the other sports do that are televised. We don't have the media impressions. Um, it's starting to change. There's a lot of momentum in women's cycling now. Um, so we are able to go to them uh, with, you know, a lot of these companies, they you take an old school company like Ford, who I met with a few years ago. Uh, the, the, the marketing was excited about what we were doing. They were really wanted to support what we were doing. Um, they loved our Olympic goals. They loved our uh, development um, component of the team as well as the professional component of the team. But it went when it went to the numbers guy, and he's used to looking at those media impressions kind of in an old school way, not in a social media way even. Um, but, you know, compared to most sports, our social media numbers are pretty low, even though for my team, they're high in cycling. Um, that's where the it, it's a struggle, um, because how many eyeballs are getting on their brands? You know, um, fortunately, now, with the advent of the Women's World Tour, which is run by the world governing body of cycling, which is the UCI, um, they created this women, Women's World Tour, where there's very specific events um, throughout the world that have to have X amount of media coverage to be included in this women's world tour. Um, Amgen tour California is one of those. And the fantastic thing is they do video recaps every day. They do, um, NBC coverage. I mean, for me, this is a dream because now I actually have something that I can go to potential partners and say, this is how your brand gets exposure. Now on the other end of that, Women's cycling um, and my team, we make a, a really strong effort to community outreach. We go and do school visits. I mean, these are all valuable eyeballs as well. They're just not the same sort of numbers um, that the big sports teams get. Um, so we really have to sort of pitch in a different way. Um, you know, the women are excellent brand ambassadors. Um, they go above and beyond, um, you know, when it comes to uh, – working the brands and just put putting brand messaging out there. Um, we just do it in a very different way. Right. So the, the Amgen tour of California has that tour having those viewer numbers. What has that done for you guys as you go to some of the bigger brands and say, Hey, here's, we now finally have a little, 
better understanding of the ROI. Is that, yep. you said it makes it easier, but it does. They're, they're catching on. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, it's, it's definitely, I mean, it was only last year, which was the first women's world tour. Um, Amgen tour California has been supporting women's cycling for many years. And there has been, uh, some media coverage of the women's events. They make a, a really strong effort in that area because, you know, AEG, they understand um, what we need and they're, they're very supportive of women's cycling. Last year was the first World Tour race, which garnered a lot more coverage. I mean, you know, we're talking covered, coverage on Eurosport um, and, you know, NBC here. So it's, it's new. It, let's just say it's, it's pretty new in the big scheme of things. Um, so it is exciting for people and a, a lot more races are trying to adopt that model of at least doing a live stream, which, you know, that helps too. Mm -hmm. That helps too. Is coverage outside of the States a little bit better? I mean, cycling is a lot bigger sport in, in Europe and some other countries outside the States. Yeah. Um, yes, I would say it's definitely bigger, but not big enough. Um, still, uh, you know, if, if there's two races, like let's say Tour Flanders, which is a spring classic in Europe, one of the the top one day races, the the men's race will get full coverage, and the women's race may get a little bit of coverage, may get finish line coverage. Um, so some races, yes, uh, no. the The team was just in Melbourne, Australia, and Geelong, and Adelaide, and they put on uh, the Tour Down Under, which is a UCI race also, and they put on a fantastic event, and it's on live television. The Cadell Road Race is on live television in Australia. Um, hopefully it'll be archived somewhere so we can take a look at that. Um, but, yeah, they, they've made a strong effort there to uh, for certain races to increase the media exposure. And if they can't do live feed, they do – fantastic um twitter updates and i know it's not the same but with at least some video clips and live race coverage and is twitter one of your bigger social media platforms or facebook um, or is it a mix of both? instagram instagram i think um seems to be you know getting the the most views these days um but of course we post that straight to facebook as well um Twitter, less and less. I think, you know, with the older athletes on the team, uh, they tend to use Twitter more. The younger athletes do not. The junior athletes, which is under 18, I think that demographic is more Snapchat and Instagram. And, uh, you know, definitely not not Twitter. A little bit Facebook, but not so much um, for, the, for the younger athletes. And now do you guys require them to be on particular platforms or whatever – yeah chooses yeah i mean they if they don't want to be on twitter that's fine um but every every athlete has their own personal um accounts as well and then i and a couple of other people work on the the team accounts but even on their personal accounts uh they do uh, social media promotion for our brands and and everything as well so you know i check in check in on that once in a while and um, they're, you know, pretty, pretty good and active at what they do. So interesting. Yeah. I want to transition a little bit. Yep. Um, how are you guys creating an experience for 
your partners that keeps them coming back? I, I mean, when you sign a contract with a with a partner or a sponsor, yeah. is it like a one year, two year type deal? And they yeah, does that make sense? Yep, yep. Um, occasionally it's a one year. Uh, sometimes two, sometimes three, as many as four. Um, you know, for Cliff Bar with Cliff Bar, for example, we've been with them for ten years, but we just do a one year contract every year. <laughs> um, you know, and uh, it, again, it depends on um, yeah, sort of the the level of uh, activation that that they need. Um, what keeps them back though, coming back though is I think, like I mentioned earlier, is really our um, just connection with them, commitment to their brand. Um, we again, social media, lots of social media. Um, we do get to meet with our sponsors occasionally. Our media camp in February and March um, is a great example of that where the companies come and they meet the team and they talk about their brand messaging for the year. Um, they talk to the athletes about their expectations, um, how they want to see the athletes performing on and off the bike, um, you know, what they want them to be um, sharing in social media. And yeah, it's, you know, it's an opportunity for the athletes to ask questions uh, to the, to the um, sponsors about their brands and, and what they need as well as what the, the brands need from the athletes. So there's a little bit of like guidelines as to how to work with and use a particular brand when they are communicating that they use felt bikes or yes. Yeah. Right? Is that yeah. interesting? So what are those, what are, what are those guidelines kind of look like? Um, you know, for example, felt bicycles changed their logo on their bike last year. Um, one of the, the basic guidelines would be, you know, if you have an old training bike at home, we don't want to see that show up in pictures, um, because we have a new identity. And, uh, so, you know, that's just, that's just one example. Um, Oakley glass is another example. You have active wear glasses and you have your casual wear glasses. Do not wear your casual glasses on your bike. Um, that is not what we want to see. That's not what our, um, brand messaging is. Um, you know, and they're not, it, it, there's a safety issue too. I mean, they're, they're made differently. Right. So, you know, helmet company we don't want to see pictures of you riding without your helmet on or your helmet tied around your handlebars even if you're just going to the bathroom at a race um you know things like that i mean pretty pretty basic things um interesting you know it might be you know when we were with peanut butter and co it's like okay what flavor are they promoting this month um you know they'll send the athletes a bunch of flavors but hey can you highlight this one um yeah yeah that's really interesting i I wouldn't have expected that level of detail. Well, I push for it as well. I mean, it's not, you know, some, some partners, um, have a different level of expectation, but for me, you know, your the longevity, um, and the relationship building starts with a lot of communication and, you know, a company could say like SRAM could say, okay, here's your group sets. Here's your, power meters here's your wheels blah 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 um and and that's it and then it's kind of like okay well how do we activate this what what do they want us to say 
Um, and, you know, some companies do go into more detail than others. But, for example, it's, uh, you know, the SRAM ETAP. Um, is that what they're promoting, the electronic shifting system? That's what we'll focus on. Or they have a new handlebar coming out. Let's focus on that. And, you know, they're not, they're not asking for the moon. Um, it's just uh, occasional mentions. Um, but also the brands themselves, they'll come to us and create their own video content as well as us doing that for them. Uh, they'll say, okay, we need a couple of athletes. We're going to talk about the cockpit on the bike. We're going to talk about um, the brakes and the bars and the comfort and the stem and, and this and that. So, yeah, I mean, it's it can get into detail or, or not. Um, but, you know, again, these days with the, the advent and just like the importance of social media the athlete is just not focused on training it's uh they're focused on you know brand development and satisfying uh partner needs and you know that just also goes back to just building their own personal brands as well which some of the athletes need to just uh understand a little better that this this will benefit you yeah they're not they're not just an athlete they're yeah. They're a brand. They're representing other brands. Yeah. So how are you guys implementing strong storytelling in your marketing efforts? And is is that coming from the sponsors? They're coming and saying, hey, we want to tell a specific story around whatever uh, brand identity we have. Or um, is that just kind of just... Yeah. Um, you know, there's, all of our athletes have incredible stories um, for female athletes, particularly endurance athletes, typically they have an opportunity to, you know, leave high school and go to college. And sometimes they participate in collegiate cycling, but then come away with a degree, then start a career as a professional athlete. So, you know, it's not just a kid out of high school that's on a bike all of a sudden. I mean, by the time you're done with high school, there's, it's not a whole lot of story there. Um, you know, for, for most people. Um, but then once you go through college and you graduate, some people have careers and then get into cycling. Um, we've had PhDs on the team, I mean, very, you know, highly educated athletes that have really great stories. Um, some of our partners love to share these stories. I mean, that's, that's what captivates an audience too. It's not just about the bike racing. It's, 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 identifying with the athlete and you know oh we have a mother on the team how many mothers are there out there that ride bikes um oh we have an olympic athlete that's 42 years old and just got her third gold medal and she's a mother um you know one of the one of the problems is again is the media exposure around this kind of content there's very little of it um you know the endemic media the cycling magazines will pick up on a great story. We've got an incredible um, young athlete on the team, Chloe Digert, who was double world, junior world champion a couple of years ago. And then last year she became a world champion on the track in Team Pursuit and then went to Rio and got a silver medal. She's 19 years old. Um, but she, you know, she was a basketball player um, in high school. And, you know, there's a, a couple of magazines that picked up on those kind of stories. Um and, you know, there needs to be more of that as well. And uh, I'm putting more effort into just trying to reach out to outside of the industry um, publications to share some of these great stories. Well, I'm, I'm surprised that the brands aren't looking for opportunity to tell those stories because that, like you said, that's a that's 
an incredibly powerful way to um, to connect an athlete with a consumer, the brand's audience. To if you tell that story, hey, the, this athlete is a mother and also a professional athlete and also has a PhD. Like, <laughs> there's other there's people that are going to resonate with that story. Some may not, like PhD professional athlete. That's way beyond me. But yeah, um, there's that that telling those stories allows people to resonate with and and make yeah make that athlete who we generally have a perception that you know that's they live a completely different life than me well in reality they're just like you and me right yes and so exactly i'm just surprised that the bigger the big brands aren't trying to tell those stories more often within their own marketing and and advertising yeah i occasionally they do but you know it's it's one of those things where I think where a lot of companies don't do it right is that yes, they they have X amount of dollars that they're willing to put into this project, this team, and that's the sponsorship dollars. But that also takes activation dollars on their side, right? It mm-hmm. t- it takes time, it takes energy, it takes money for them to activate their sponsorship. Um, some don't do that very well. <laughs> um, you know, I'm pushing content towards our sponsors fairly often, um, but whether they pick it up or not is, uh, you know, m- maybe a matter of manpower or dollars or, um, yeah, yeah. It's that's the struggle is getting the stories out there um, for sure, and then also getting more, getting bigger brands interested in in cycling, and then interested in women's cycling <laughs> right i mean because you know we're 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 the at the highest level of the sport and achievement with olympic medals and world championships and you know so on and so forth but mm-hmm. it's still a struggle uh, well it seems like you guys are doing really well i mean you have looking at your partner and sponsor page i mean you guys have some incredibly powerful brands on, on mm-hmm. your side so that's really cool well done to you yes. guys Thank you. Um, as a follow-up, what kind of practices and strategies are you guys using to create and encourage your your partners to advocate on on behalf of TAM cycling? Are, are, is there any of that? Are they are they pushing your team in any way on their own? Yeah, um, you know, I I like to sometimes you know in our list of um, partners. I, it's not, some, some companies are so small, it's like they can't offer us dollars, mm-hmm. um, but they can offer us product, but they can also offer us um, the use of the team in marketing. It's really valuable to me um, when I can go to my other partners and say, hey, this brand is going to use us in a marketing campaign next year, and your bike and wheels are going to get great exposure. Um, so there are companies that definitely do that. We've had lots of athletes used in ads, uh, particularly for industry partners, um, specifically. Uh, yeah, so there is that. That's really cool. Well, Nicola, this has been, um, really, really good. I think this is a lot of great content and I so appreciate you being on the show. This is about all the time we have. If people want to get involved with what you're doing with Tam Cycling or if they want to learn more, or just have questions for you, how can they get a hold of you? Um, I would, uh, well, Instagram is at team 2020 and that's team and 20 written out and then two zero on the end. Uh, Facebook is 2020 again, 20 written out two zero pro cycling. 
And then Twitter is 20 written out, 20 pro. Um, you know, that's, and then on our website, which is www.team2020.com, there's an email address if people really want to get in touch. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. You're I really welcome. appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, you're really welcome. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Active Lifestyle Marketer. If you enjoyed it, we'd appreciate it if you rate and or review us on the iTunes store. And make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you have a story to share with other Active Lifestyle brand leaders or know someone who would be a great guest on the Active Lifestyle Marketer, let us know. We love connecting with Active Lifestyle brand executives and sharing their insights and knowledge with our audience. Just send us an email at info at tigercreative.com. And lastly, if you need help telling your brand story, we would love to share how we could help in that process. Check us out at tigercreative.com. See you next time.